This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is so good to be home. There is no place like home. There's no place like home. And uh, just to be in the worship today. Oh, can we just give our worship team another round of applause? We just so appreciate them. Amazing, amazing. And I just love being in the house with such hungry hearts. We love to worship. I often just take a moment and look around and watch you worshiping because it gives me so much joy to see the way that you love God and, uh, and the way that you love one another. You know, we always have had as our foundation scripture for Glory City Church that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And I tell you, you love well. You really love well. And I want to encourage you as you come in and be, become part of the church This is our DNA, that we would love one another well. We would love God with all our hearts and souls and minds, and we'd love our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to say it's just so obvious and so beautiful. So thank you, Lord, for what you've done here. Father, we say yes. Your ways are wonderful, and all your ways are just. Lord, we bless you tonight. Lord, we ask for your presence here today. I thank you that you are with us. And Lord, I'm asking that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are saying and what you are doing. Thank you for your grace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's nice to see your lovely faces. I've been watching you on live stream. I watch and see, oh, who's there? Who's there? Uh, But three weeks is about my limit because I miss you too much and I want to be with you. Uh, But I tell you, it was worth it. The souls that got saved, the people that were healed, and the lives that were touched, and I'm so grateful for it. Uh, I started off in Korea. I had uh, two weeks in Korea, in Seoul, and in other parts of the nation. We did three conferences back to back. Um, Praise the Lord. Tom got to come with me for that one, which was a real treat. It doesn't always happen. And... uh, so that was amazing. They're so hungry. The church there is, is very hungry and growing very quickly. Um, but they, they have, where they went through a really big growth phase um, probably 10 years ago, in the, last, in the last 10 years, it started to uh, slack off a little bit, slow down a little bit. And I feel like there's a fresh breath of, of the Holy Spirit beginning to blow in South Korea, uh, particularly in terms of evangelism and the, the love of God. And um, I was also talking to them about what we're doing with the Australian Prophetic Council. And they had similar experiences, I think, in South Korea, where um, in the 80s and 90s there were some... Um, mistakes made by people, prophetic people, who would get up and try and take control of a meeting or bring a word that just wasn't in order, wasn't, uh, you know, according to, I think, biblical protocols. And as a result, pastors just basically shut down a lot of the prophetic in churches. That's what happened here in our nation. Uh, And understandably so, from a pastoral perspective, it's very hard if someone gets up and tries to take the church in a different direction without even talking to the leaders. Now, there is divine order, and, and uh, Corinthians speaks really clearly about it. 
But it was in my heart very much to um, see the prophets come together and see the prophetic be established in the church with integrity and with wisdom. So that it would be a blessing to the church, not, um, not, not damaging. And uh, so praise the Lord over the last, I don't know how many years we've been doing this, while, probably seven years now. Um, we've been uh, hosting the prophetic council where the prophets from around the nation, um, see, sort of senior prophets who are running prophetic schools and having an impact in the nation and the nations, uh, get together and we um, talk about what the Lord is doing. They come from all different denominations, which is wonderful. Even the charismatic Catholics uh, join us, which is so exciting. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And, um, and so, and we, you know, there was a time where we didn't even know who the prophets in Australia were. You couldn't name them. And it wasn't that long ago. And that's the way it is in Korea at the moment. There are people who have prophetic ministry, but... You know, if we ask South Koreans to name the prophets, it's not, not an easy thing for them to do because, uh, because of the, I think, the reaction to unwise use of the prophetic gift. So I think the time's coming too for uh, South Korea to begin to start to form a prophetic council as well. So we've got some going to be coming and joining us just to observe what's happening. And... Um, but being able to sow in, into that nation was such a privilege. And we, we saw so many people get healed, so many miracles. And um, it seems that God is opening deaf ears everywhere I go. I just, I have faith to see God do that. And we saw four or five um, completely deaf ears open up. Two of those, um, well, one had no eardrum. The other one had a, complete, had a very deformed eardrum and uh, hadn't heard for 40 years. And so the doc, she went back to the doctor and the doctor confirmed she had a perfectly formed eardrum and, and perfect hearing. So, so wonderful. So wonderful. And um, I just give God glory. It gets, gets me excited to see what God's doing. And then uh, I flew to uh, Nicaragua, South, uh, not South America, Central America, Latin America, and um, did a weekend there, just for a weekend. And they, uh, Enlace TV, which was the Spanish wing of TVN in Latin America, um, were hosting a big women's conference, um, a couple of thousand women, and they gave out free tickets to the, the city prostitutes to come as well. And so many people got saved. So many people got saved. It was so beautiful. I, I, it was all worth it just for that, you know, just to see the tears and the altar flooded with first-time decisions. And um, so that was a real privilege. Again, and God opened another deaf ear. I just I, I called for a deaf ear, and deaf ear opened up. And then the Lord just began to give me words of knowledge. There was a lady who had um, a tumor on her neck, someone else with a brain tumor, someone else's leg was too short. And they all came up to testify that the Lord had just healed them in this seat as the word went out. The lady with the tumor on her neck came up to show that it was completely gone. The lady with the brain tumor came in not being able to walk, came running up the stairs saying, it's all, all my symptoms are gone. Hallelujah. And uh, yes, praise God. And um, the lady with one leg shorter than the other, you could actually see she'd hemmed her pants to, to, to be normal, and uh, God had grown a leg out, and she was so, so excited. It was all recorded um, to be played all across Latin America, and uh, 
God's just opened up big doors there. They're going to have me back for a, a big youth conference there as well. So I'm, I thank you for sending me. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for understanding. Uh, you know, I get so much joy about being able to share the gospel with, uh, with people. God's anointed me to win souls. I, I'm unashamed to say it. I know I've got an anointing to bring souls into the kingdom, and I'm just going to keep doing it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so that's my, that's my calling, and I really appreciate uh, this house, the apostolic, it's an apostolic sending center. And uh, so it's just a joy. And I love, I love that, you, that you are so supportive and so encouraging. But I've got a few things I want to share with you. I've been looking forward to getting back. I was jet lagging a bit, didn't make it on Friday night. I, I hit the wall in the, on the afternoon. I flew in Friday morning thinking, I'll be right. And then oh, I had to ring Joel halfway through the day and say, ah, Joel. <laughs> but I know they had an amazing time. So praise the Lord. You know, I've, um, I was thinking about what the Lord's been doing and over the last 12 months, as I've been traveling, it has pretty much been every place I go, um, the first miracle that we see is a deaf ear pop open, someone that's had a completely deaf ear. And, and we've seen it happen over and over and over again. Sarah's been with me for many of those. And the other day, she was ministering and a deaf ear opened, which I thought was so cool. And, um, but you know, years ago, I heard about Heidi Baker and I heard that she used to go to, in Africa, she'd go into a village and she'd say, bring me the deaf. And she'd um, pray for someone who was deaf, that they'd get their hearing, it would be a sign and a wonder, and it would open things up for people to release their faith and receive the gospel. And I remember hearing that story and thinking, oh, that's so cool, God, I want that. And I mean, Heidi had prayed for, I think, a whole year and prayed for hundreds of deaf people, never seeing anyone healed. But she persisted and was deliberate. And then God opened that up to her and she had the faith then just to call for the deaf and they would always get their ears open. And um, so I, I, saw, I heard that and I went, oh, Lord, I want that. You know, if you ever get something like that in your spirit where you go, oh, that's cool. I'd like that. You need to understand that's a divine invitation. God, is, it's, a, it's a prophetic word for you because it is the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And if you, if you hear something that you go, oh, that's cool, I'd like to see that, don't listen to the voice that would come and say, oh, you're just proud, you're just arrogant, you just want to, make, you just want to be somebody. That's the lie of the enemy. Christ in you wants to do those things. And he wants to do them through you. If it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you, you have the mind of Christ and you have the motives of Christ. Hallelujah. So you, God in you wants to dream. He wants you to respond to things. When you hear Gary Morgan prophesy and the, the birth dates and the, and the uh, anniversaries and, the, and you hear Sean Boltz and others uh, prophesy with the, with the level of words of knowledge that you hear, if your heart goes, oh, that's cool, God, I want to see you do that, it's a divine invitation for you, gift wrapped from God, waiting for you to respond to. Uh, so I, when I was in Korea, I was like, oh, God, I want some birth dates. I want that too, Jesus. And I did so many meetings, I thought, oh, well, I might as well just give it a go. 
And, I, and God began to give me birthdays. And this guy was sitting up the back saying, oh, I wish she'd call my birthday. And bang, he was the next one. And, and God just began to give me more. You see, you've got to understand that Christ in you is not content just to have a little sphere of influence. If it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, he wants to be glorified. He wants to be glorious. Not everyone is made with the same callings, but every one of us is called to be the light of the world. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 60. It's a good chapter. I'm only going to read you a little bit, but I would like to read it all because it's so yummy. There's a rise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah and, and all those from Sheba will come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. You know, this is your prophetic destiny. Your destiny is to arise and shine. Regardless of what uh, God has called you to, this is it. This is the essence of who you are and what you are called to do. You are called to arise and shine, to let the glory of God be revealed through you. And continually, God is dropping invitations all around you, waiting for you to open your eyes and say, Ah, God, I recognize that it's a testimony of Jesus. That's a prophetic word for me. I'll take it. Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. I remember years ago, uh, Pastor James and Rochelle were in Adelaide with me, and I was ministering down there with Surpresa Sitoli. And um, Surprise has seen so many people raised from the dead that James, I was, I was on the front row and I was saying, oh, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. I was recognizing the testimonies going out were a prophetic word, an invitation for me to see the dead raised. So I was on the front row going, be it unto me, Lord, and physically grabbing it and saying, I'll have that, Jesus. And then I looked down the row and there was James and he was going, double portion, God, double portion. <laughs> and I smiled, I loved it because that's exactly, exactly what we want our, our culture to be. That you would recognize that whenever you hear about something God's doing, that you would say, yes, Lord, I receive it, be it unto me. I want it. I'm not going to settle, but I want more. Hallelujah. Because the heart of God is that, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that is, he wants to magnify himself through you and I. In whatever, it, whatever way that happens, it's the destiny of God for us. You know, that we need to have no other expectation, I believe, than God in us wants to be big. God in us wants to shine. 
No, I think you've got to be careful. I, I meet a lot of people and they say, you know, I want to be married by this age. I want to have this many children by this age. I want this happening in my career by this age. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. And, you know, I understand it's good to have goals. But I want to encourage you. God's ways are better than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I would encourage you, have this one expectation. That Christ in you wants to be glorious. Christ in you wants to shine. And as you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. But if you, if you are so rigid in your expectations for life, you might actually miss the glory that God wants to reveal through you. Hallelujah. I think we need to get back to the simplicity of Christ and him crucified. This is all I want to know. I want to know that that's who you are. You are amazing. You love me so much that you laid your life down for me and you've made me new on the inside. Hallelujah. I want to share with you uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me. Hallelujah. I was coming back, I, was, I flew through New Zealand to come home, and I was on Air New Zealand coming back, and they, they do their little safety thing, and, and as you sit down in your seat, they've got a little thing on the screen that says, your seat in the sky, and they want to tell you about putting your tray table down and putting it back, at, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I saw those words, your seat in the sky, and I, suddenly I got excited. I thought, oh, yes, Lord. I've got a seat in the sky. I'm seated in heavenly places with you. I've, I've got a chair in the air. Hallelujah. And, um, and this is what, we're, what you'll uh, see here in Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Hallelujah. Verse 1. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. <sighs> For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. This is full of prophetic destiny. The heart of God is that we would recognize the invitation that he gave. That here I've laid my life down. I've been crucified in your place and the invitation I offer to you is that you would respond and receive my mercy, that you would receive my grace, that you would receive forgiveness. 
He was wounded for our transgressions, meaning he was punished for all the bad stuff we did. He took the punishment. He took the judgment. The wages of sin is death, and he took it for us. Hallelujah. As the perfect sacrifice. We were reading in Hebrews that they used to have to bring sacrifices every year, but they had no effect at actually cleaning the conscience. But then Jesus came, and he was the ultimate perfect sacrifice, who when he did it said, it is finished hallelujah meaning that it was one sacrifice for all forever hallelujah done perfect and if we will respond to that and say thank you god i receive your mercy not only do we receive forgiveness acquittal from our sin yet we get called not guilty those who were guilty get called not guilty hooray we also become new creations in Christ. He says he was bruised for our iniquities. And iniquities means our crookedness. So he was bruised for our crooked nature. Not only did he take the punishment, he went one step further. And instead of us coming and, and living with a crooked nature, sons of the first Adam, we become sons of the second Adam, the last Adam, who, and we, we inherit by faith through his amazing grace, the new DNA of Jesus Christ. We become new creations in Christ, which is so magnificent. And as a result, he says, as you, I give you the faith, I give you the gift to, to have faith. As you exercise that faith in my grace, he says, you are crucified with me, buried with me, raised up with me, and now you're seated in heavenly places with me in him. Woohoo! You know, we can know that theoretically, but God wants us to understand it experientially. As we understand, thank you, God, I have been crucified with Christ. I used to live trying to die daily. I'd try so hard to, you know, crucify the flesh. I die daily, I read, you know, so I'm trying to die daily. And then I think, ah, I failed again. Oh, I don't think I did very good today. I didn't really die well today. Ah, if you even physically tried to crucify yourself, it would be impossible. You could get one arm in and your feet done, but you'd still have one arm flapping, right? You can't kill yourself in, the, in, that, in that respect with the Spirit of God. You cannot crucify your own flesh. You have to, by faith, identify with the fact, I have been crucified with Christ it's not of my works, it's by his grace, by faith, and daily I am called to reckon myself dead, to remind myself, ah, oh, thank you God, it's no longer me who lives. I remind myself, as my mind is renewed by the washing of the word, I remind myself, ah, oh, I'm not struggling against flesh and blood. My war is not with my flesh, my war is with principalities and powers that want to rob from me the truth of my freedom in Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, I know how, know how to react better than this to good news. Hallelujah. I've been crucified with him. I reckon myself dead. I'm crucified with him. I'm also buried with him, which means it is done. Done, 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 done. Done. Finished. 
I am done. He is, he is, I have been buried with him. I remind myself now daily, remind myself. I have the mind of Christ. I have a new nature. So when the enemy comes and he whispers in my ear and he tries to accuse me and say, you're selfish, you're lazy, you're not very spiritual. I need to remember what is the truth. I have been crucified with Christ. I reckon myself dead. I am buried with him. Therefore, who is he accusing? If it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then the nature that lives in me is unselfish, patient, kind. Hallelujah. If I behave in a way that is is selfish or unkind, I repent and say, that was wrong. I identify that behavior is bad. That is wrong. I'm sorry, God. Thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not identified or defined by that behavior. I exchange it for your mercy and your forgiveness. And I thank you that I have a brand new nature. Hallelujah. So when I, when I stumble, if I do something wrong, I repent. But I remind myself then, I replace the truth. I am no longer one that lives in shame over what I've done. My guilt and my shame has been taken by the Lamb of God. Guilt and shame does nothing but rob the rest of the world of the light that I am called to shine. If you're wearing shame thinking that you are doing something religious, you are under the lie from the enemy. He wants to give you shame so that you don't get up and shine. If the enemy can say, hey, what do you did? You did this, you did that. Yeah, you should feel ashamed of yourself. If you haven't repented, guilt is a good thing because it helps you realize, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, God. Here it is. I identify that. I'm so sorry I hurt your heart. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. I exchange it like divine. Uh, In that divine exchange, like foreign currency, I say, that's not who I am. And I'm sorry I did that. Forgive me, Lord. I receive your mercy. But here's the truth. I remind myself right now by faith that your, your purpose in my life is that you would be glorified. That I have been crucified with Christ. I've been buried with him and I am raised up with him. It is no longer I who lives. God is not pleased with me trying to punish myself for what I've done because that is simply arrogance. Jesus is the only one that could be adequately uh, take the punishment. Hallelujah. He is the only one that could pay for my sin. Faith pleases God. And it takes it takes faith to actually say Though I feel ashamed and guilty, I am going to put off the shame and guilt and say, thank you, God, you took that for me. I did the wrong thing, but you have forgiven me. And now by faith, I thank you. I remind myself, I reckon myself dead. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm buried with him, but I'm also raised up with him. I have a new nature. It's no longer me who live, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, I have the mind of Christ. 
I have the motives of Christ. I have the character of Christ. Hallelujah. And what does that look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. It is long-suffering. It keeps no record of wrongs. Hallelujah. It is joyful. All the glorious fruit, the love, joy, peace, the magnificence of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is now my definition. This is who I am because it's as he is, so am I in this world. Hallelujah. That's the ABCs of the gospel. Then as this, this thought of being seated in heavenly places with him, though, is quite extraordinary. You know, the disciples were fighting about who got to sit at the right and the left hand. They, were, they got their mum to say, hey, uh, mum, have a word to, to Jesus, see if you can get us in, you know, on the right and the left. But you know what? You and I have been given the privilege of sitting at the right hand of the Father because we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Where is Christ? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's like the most special place. And you and I, we get to sit there. That's where I get to sit. They can argue about who gets to sit on the right and the left. I get to sit on the right. Hallelujah. And so do you. And God looks at you and, oh, this is my son. This is my beloved one. Hallelujah. In whom I'm well pleased. And as you have faith in the fact that you are no longer living, but Christ lives in you, you need to open up your heart and say, thank you, God. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Pour out your love upon me and I will pour out my love upon you. Hallelujah. Let the perfect love of God wash and shower over you, casting out all fear that you might operate, live and move in him. In him I live and move and have my being, and he is seated at the right hand, which is the place of favor. So I need to remind myself, I am not some little person on the earth trying to do good works. I am the one that lives with the lavish love of God that cannot be humanly contained or handled. You need supernatural strength to be able to physically and emotionally receive the love that God wants to pour into you, Ephesians 3. I am, I am one that is the, the son of his right hand. Look, I'm more excited about this than you, obviously. <laughs> I am the son of his right hand. You are the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. That's me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And until you can come to that place where you begin to have faith, I have been seated with him in heavenly places, you will be afraid to step out in the fullness of the shining light that God wants to be through you. But if you actually believe that you are seated at the right hand of the Father in him, everything becomes easier. I remember once um, you know, trying to pray for someone that, that, to get healed. And you know, my heart breaks for people. I want them to get healed. I, I have compassion on them. 
But occasionally, I so want them healed that I'm praying my best prayers and I'm working up a sweat trying to, to get them healed. You know, often when I pray for somebody that's sick, um, I feel a release of virtue. Just like Jesus, when the woman with the issue of blood touched his robe, he said he felt virtue go out of him. There's times when I pray where I feel, oh, I just know it's done because I can feel the virtue of God go out. But there's other times where I'm not feeling it happening and I'm trying really hard and I'm praying, oh God, please. You know, has anyone ever experienced this? I was doing this in Augusta several years ago and please Jesus heal this person and the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder I felt him and he said want some help and I realized he was inviting me to sit back in the chair in the place where I'm seated with him in heavenly places (laughs) Instead of Catherine on the earth trying to, trying to see somebody get healed, I'm the son of his right hand. Hallelujah. Freely giving what I freely received. Suddenly, the next person I asked that came up for prayer, they got healed and slain in the spirit meters away from me before they could even get to the front. The power of God just went. I thought, oh, your ways are way better than my ways, God. Operating out of the, the place where you're seated in heavenly places, things just, you, you get a holy boldness comes on you. Because you're no longer viewing yourself as an orphan. You are viewing yourself as one that is so thoroughly accepted, so overwhelmed with privilege and love that you can, can't help but to freely give. God wants us to live in the overflow, have the world around us be ministered to through the overflow of our incredible sense of acceptance and love. A lot of people, they put their lives on hold, waiting for something good to happen. Waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when my... Uh, my spouse comes to the Lord, but then when their spouse comes to the Lord, what happens next? Well, you know, I'll be happy when my children are walking with the Lord. What happens next? Oh, I'll be happy when, you know, they marry godly spouses. And then I'll be happy when they have children and that they're healthy. And then, you know, you can live delaying happiness forever. But the heart of God is that instead you would just surrender to the incredible privilege and the joy of knowing that you are loved, that you are loved, that you would give yourself to being loved and to love him back. If you would just give yourself to that, all of these things will be added to you and you'll go, oh, that's nice, God. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that was good. Appreciate that one. Oh, I love you so much, Jesus. Very different to being on the outside saying, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when. Can I encourage you? I have a, I've learned a little bit from experience. 
And it's just way better to give up and surrender to his love and say, Lord, I devote my life to being loved by you and to love you back. Hallelujah. We love because he first loved us. You've got to receive his love before you can even love him well. It's the gift of God. God really likes it when we receive his gifts. I think a lot of us have only just sort of temporarily looked at it and went, oh, that's nice. But God wants us to take a hold of the gift of us being seated in heavenly places. Take a hold of the gift of being the son of his right hand. Of being the one that he rejoices over with singing. It says in, uh, I think it's in Zephaniah. The Lord your God in the midst of thee is mighty. He rejoices over you with singing. It's just, that's the picture of who God is. He's there going, oh, I love you. And when we're, we're battling with, oh God, you know, oh God, I feel so, I feel lazy. I feel backslidden. I feel this. He says, you have the mind of Christ. Pick up the sword of the spirit. Fight off the the principalities and powers that are trying to deceive you. And look full in my wonderful face for those who look to me are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Hallelujah. They become radiant. Those who look to him are radiant, those who pay attention to the lies of the enemy, those who who get their eyes focused on what's happening around them instead of on him, they are the ones that get filled with shame and fear and worry and, and regret. And the Lord says, I want to be the glory and the lifter of your head. I want to lift up your head because I know that if you can see how much I adore you, My perfect love will cast out fear. Shame will go and you will become radiant. And we can get on with the joy of shining the light of God in the world. Hallelujah. It's your prophetic destiny to be so radically loved that you can't handle it. You have to just shine. Ah. That when you see people, you're not trying to get something from them because you've already got so much, I've got to give it away. (laughs) I feel that so often when I walk in this place, it's just like, ah, overflow of so much love. And it's magnificent. But God wants to increase it. I tell you, to him who has more will be given. Ask for rain in the time of rain. I believe, whoa, I believe this is a prophetic word. God's heart desire is that you would not settle for what you have, but you would respond to the divine invitation to sit with him in heavenly places and manifest his glory. If if you can prophesy, ask for more. Believe that God will take you to new levels. If you you are uh, one that likes to pray for the sick, and I tell you, if Jesus is in you, he likes to pray for the sick. Ask for more. Expect more. Hallelujah. God's heart desire is if you're manifesting his characteristics, that he would turn it up so many levels that the glory of God would be manifested through your character in such a way that people would praise God for the good works that you do. Hallelujah. Yes. 
<laughs> for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's got it all. He's like, oh, I love this. This is going to be good. He says in Ephesians 1, Paul's praying for the church that we would have supernatural enlightenment in the knowledge of him, that we would know the hope of our calling, meaning as when we see him, we realize, oh, that's now who lives in me. That's my identity. And that you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in us, the saints, which means he wants you to know how valuable you are to him. You are the riches of his inheritance. You, you are his inheritance. You are his inheritance that he is so excited to see his power manifested through. That you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in us, the saints. His inheritance is in us. And then he wants you to know the greatness of the power toward you who believe that his glory might be manifested. I tell you, I can feel the tipping point. It's like the egg is cracking open and God is about to birth a whole new breed. Hallelujah. They're going to walk without fear. They're going to do great exploits, greater than you've yet imagined, exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope, or imagine to him be glory in the church. Hallelujah.